Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film movie mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all decide who has better taste. My name as always is Hugh Dempsey and I am joined as always by Sam Blakely. Hello Sam. How Hello are you? Hugh. Hello. Glad we got that out of the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? How are you? How's your how's your week been? Anything strange, exciting, interesting? Not really. No, I uh, as I mentioned off air, decided to go into work a little bit this week and get out of my pajamas. Classic. You know, wipe the sleep out of my eyes, and I feel I feel like yeah. a new man. But then I come home, have a massive pizza, and I'm back to the same old me. <laughs> new year, old back me. To the pizza and beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. How about yourself? Um, any dramas? No, nothing personally interesting or exciting. Still, still locked down in it, really. <laughs> so very much um, a twenty twenty one intro so far. Yeah, everything's been this. It's like it's going to be like a year, isn't it? By the time yeah. things get back to normal, yeah. which I was surprised at, to be honest. But no, I've been enjoying looking at this whole. Have you seen it in the news about this whole oh, Robin GameStop. Hood GameStop <laughs> stuff? It's fascinating. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's messed up, isn't it? It's kind of Wall Street boys crying foul. <laughs> yeah, when they were trying, it really is, isn't it? When they were literally going, "Oh, we think this this share stock price is going to go down, so we're going to short the market," and then all the small retail investors went, "Hang on a second, we like GameStop." Exactly, as our good friend Kieran put it on uh, on Twitter or Facebook, he said, "You know, um, Wall Street guys." been telling everybody for years you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps invest in something yeah. work out work it out no not like that <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah not at our expense yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah just, so just I've been, i have i have been enjoying watching i think some one of the investment firms has lost like billions of dollars it, which it is just feels nice. nice doesn't it it does doesn't it it's like they bet they bet against the wrong people because <laughs> yeah. they might have huge amounts of money, but they don't have the millions and millions. Well, they don't have the billions that thousands upon thousands of people have collectively, you know? And that's what, for all it's whatever negative sides to its reputation, that's, I think, why Reddit's my favourite social media app because you wouldn't get this sort of movement on Twitter or something like that. Reddit is just a great place for this sort of thing to, no, you uh, to assemble. You. It all came from that uh, Reddit thread, uh, Wall Street Bets, wasn't it? Mm, so I hear. That's where it all started. I've seen the odd YouTube yeah. video. I've not been keeping up every every moment, but yeah, I've seen somebody was 10 million in the hole, some Reddit user. And, uh, Jesus. I, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't fully understand the mechanics, but I've got just enough of a, of a grasp of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 complicated enough, I guess. But um, yeah, it's an interesting scenario. And mm. uh, speaking yeah, of high quite... stakes wheeler dealing and um, business uh, ventures and um, trying to play people off against each other, what's this week's film, mm. Hugh? Well, because on Wednesday, just gone the I think it was the twenty seventh uh, here in the UK, it's uh, Holocaust Memorial Day. Mm. Um, which basically it's the it coincides with the anniversary of the uh, liberation of the Auschwitz uh, concentration and death camp, and that's that's what it coincides with. And uh, you said to me you'd never seen Schindler's List, so I thought yeah. it would be uh, a good idea to maybe ask you to watch it and yeah, see what you thought of it, see what you think, and yeah, just get you to watch a classic 
film that kind of I don't know I can, I can understand why maybe why you didn't watch it. it is a it is a hard watch I mean it's it's a good film but in the sense of um I don't know it's like you feel maybe better about humanity after it you know that sort of thing rather than oh wow that was a really exciting and interesting like film in terms of its special effects or its you know loud crashy bangy robots or whatever you want to call it <laughs> it's more of a yeah, I think what's I think it's Edgar Wright, isn't it, who says there's some films that are like you they're like you've, you they're like you staple vegetables that like, mm. you know you need to kind of eat them. They're a bit like your broccoli and your carrots. You know you need to get them in you so you understand the language of cinema, I guess, a bit more. And you know one thing that cinema does very well is it can tell you a true story and it can bring to life. Um, you know the horrors of something like the Holocaust, and it can also uh, show the good sides where good things did happen. Yeah, um, do you want to give us a little synopsis? Obviously, spo- yeah, well, spo- sure. spoilerific listener. So if you haven't seen Schindler's List, yeah, I can right. So and, uh, then there was this list. thing called World War Two. Yeah? Oh, yeah, tell me more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you might have heard the sequel. Of it. Yeah, in space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so basically what the film is about is a German um, businessman called Oskar Schindler during 1940 goes to Poland to set up um, a business event. It, it doesn't For him, it doesn't matter what it is. He's just going there to become a businessman. He's basically going to... He's, war, he's a war profiteer, basically, is what he is. He's going to Poland uh, to try and make his fortune. And in the course of his time in Poland, he ends up hiring Jewish workers um, in his factory, in his enamel pots and pans factory, uh, because they're cheap. And he works with... Slave labor, um, his, yeah, yeah, because he doesn't even. They don't pay the Jews; they pay the SS um, for the Jews, essentially. And through Should the course, we say Jewish of... people. <laughs> I know they. I know they say no, Jews in the film. But I'm sure. I'm there's sure we say Jewish people. Jews. No, there's nothing wrong with saying there's Jews. A, there's a Louis C.K. bit where he says, you know, sort of, it's it's the name for people and the slur. If you just put a little stank on it, <laughs> you know, and he said like he wants <laughs> he wants Obama just once just to just say it the wrong way, basically. <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, Fair it enough. is the correct word, but it's also it makes me feel like Pierce Hawthorne in Communities saying it sometimes when I hear the word. It's a funny thing. Fair enough. I mean, it's but anyway, saying... you know, don't feel self conscious. Would you say? Would you? I mean, would you say Muslim people? You would say Muslims, wouldn't you? No, or Christians. You won't say Christian people. Yeah, but it is because it's it's been a, it's almost been used as a slur. That I, anyway, so I probably will be saying Jewish person, but feel free to say Jews. It's just just a little right. thing. It just anyway. uh, I, I'm okay. You can be weirdly self conscious about <laughs> a word that they used to describe themselves. <laughs> yeah, so he hires Jewish. Well, he they, yeah, he basically gets the Jews in his slave labor. He. Um, and then he, he got, he's got a Jewish accountant who apparently used to work at the factory, a man called Ishak Stern, who's played in this film by Ben Kingsley. Must be mentioned that the film's played by Liam, uh, the main character here, Oscar Schindler's played by Liam Neeson. And also you have um, uh, Ralph Fiennes. Fiennes as... Ralph Fiennes, yeah, come on, Hugh. It says Ralph on his thing. It's spelled Ralph, it's, it's, it's Ralph. Well... The Ronald Fiennes... Just to know, yeah, uh, it's played by Ralph Fiennes, and he's the commandant of a nearby work camp. Um, that the Jews are then housed in after the liquidation of the Warsaw Ghetto, um, and he's basically it's Platzow, um, 
work camp, by the way. I couldn't remember the name of right. it there for a second. Yep. And yeah, basically the film just documents the horrors of the the ghetto in Krakow and then that liquidation and then the horrors of the the Holocaust in the work camps and it turns into a story, you know, spoiler alert, about how Oscar Schindler working with Ishak Stern, they managed to save uh, 1,100 Jews from uh, the gas chamber, basically. And yeah, it's a very, there's a lot of powerful scenes in it. There's a very, you know, it's shot in black and white to for artistic effect and then there's a bit of colour in the film at one point that tries you know it's very intentional to to stir the emotions it's directed by Steven Spielberg it's based off the book uh, by a author called let me just grab his name um, Thomas Keenally uh, his book was called Schindler's Ark so Spielberg changed the name and the screenplay was written by a guy called Steven Zalian um, this won seven Oscars mm. at the Oscars yeah, John Williams does the composition. Uh, the cinematography, which is brilliant in this film, is done by uh, Janus uh, Kaminsky, which is a long-time collaborator with um, Steven Spielberg. He's worked on most of his major films. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the synopsis. Uh, would you like to know why I like this film, Sam? Yeah, yeah. obviously you're a big history buff, so I assume that plays a role. It, yeah, it plays a role, I guess. Um, I mean, it's... It's an emotionally powerful film, quite frankly. You know, there's there's a lot of emotional moments in it, not just shocking moments. There are some very shocking moments when people are brutally murdered, but there's also some powerfully emotive scenes between characters, you know, between Oscar Schindler and Ishak Stern, or um, one with... Um, Ralph Fiennes' character, Amon Goth, where, you know, he's in the mirror saying, I forgive you, and he tries to be nice for a day. And there's the scene where he's basically having a conversation with himself with Helena Hirsch. And, um, yeah, there's just, there's the bit at the end when he's, Oscar Schindler's coming out, he's going out to his car to leave the factory. Um, Yeah, it's just, obviously, the little girl in the red dress, uh, sorry, the red coat is very powerful image that sticks with you long after you've watched it um you know it's you know it's quite a stark look at the holocaust you know there's you know they don't really pull their punches although one thing i did notice on watching it this um i think this is the this is the second time i've watched it all the way through um i saw bits and pieces of it when i was a teenager uh, i saw about the first two hours in school and then I watched a bit more with somebody else, but I never, I never actually watched it all the way through until about ten years ago, actually. Oh wow! Uh, until I was in, yeah, yeah, until I was in my early twenties. Um, yeah, I saw it a bit of it in school, and I got to the bit where the train arrives at Auschwitz, and there was still like another forty-five, fifty minutes of the film left. But I, did, I never, so for years, I just assumed that the women That's got it. gassed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that they survived. Um, but yeah, to start, look at the Holocaust, you know, the bit when um, that engineer, she's arguing with the guards and um, and Ralph Fiennes' characters. Yeah, when he say, she's saying, oh, that the foundations will, you know, they'll cause subsidence. And he's like, shoot her. And he's just, they just shoot her. And then they do what she says. And he's just like, oh, we won't, we won't argue with these people. You know, she gets murdered just simply because she's right. Um... Yeah, great, great performances from all the lead cast. Um, you know, they deserve 
all the plaudits they get. Um, it's a film about the Holocaust. That's always going to be relevant, quite frankly. It's, you know, man's inhumanity to man, sadly, is not something that suddenly stopped in 2000 when yeah. the 20th century turned up. You know, we've always got to be on the lookout for things like this. And I think making films about these sort of subjects is important in art because it it can show you kind of what happened. You know, they, um, to get a bit meta, you know, someone once said, you know, history is the diary of a madman. And the 20th century was kind of that madman at his worst, I would say. You know, thankfully, in the 70 odd years since... You know, there's been there's been terrible things happen throughout the world. You know, where millions of people have died in awful situations, but nothing quite as evil as the Holocaust. And yeah, that's the only, it's weird because you try and not to use the word evil too often. It's a word that's I think thrown around far too easily. But it's meaningless, isn't it? it? Yeah, but this really was an act of evil because it wasn't. It was a basically state-sponsored genocide. There's no other way to put it. It's not a band of like rogue militia going around murdering people. It was something that was policy. Well documented. Yeah, it was well documented. It was well thought through. It was efficiently executed. No pun intended. And you know the the truth is over six million Jews and gypsies and undesirables were murdered by the Nazi regime because they didn't fit into the you know, the ideal Aryan society. You know, Hitler was crazy and thought these people were unclean or whatever. Crazy reasons he had for being a, a major anti-Semite, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think it's important from that point of view. Sometimes, you know, it is important to watch things that maybe we don't really want to watch in that regard. Yeah, it is what had been put in... This what put me off for so many years watching the film was yeah. at what point am I ever going to be in the mood to watch this film yeah other than other than if I go to the cinema and it's an event you know just like flicking yeah. through Netflix and I was like uh, yeah go on then <laughs> yeah um, you know but at the end of the day this film is a film about hope isn't it because ultimately Schindler saved all these people's lives and you know they have their descendants today are about and I think there's about I think they worked out there's about 6,000 or 9,000 right, yeah. or something over 6, 000, people. Yeah. yeah, which was more apparently than more descendants of people who were saved by the Polish, the country of Poland Yeah, it's, uh, itself, sure. yeah, which is crazy. Um, so yeah, so I thought you might like. Um, it's Spielberg, probably at his best. Uh, Spielberg is a very flashy director. Um, you know he's he is famous for big budget films like E.T. Jaws, even like even serious films like Saving Private Ryan, AI. But uh, here he just you know Jurassic Park. You know it's funny because this and Jurassic Park came out within about a year of each other or something yeah, or six yeah. months or something. You know we went from Jurassic Park to making this, and I think it was his. It was almost you know Spielberg is a child of I think I don't know if his parents were or grandparents had to deal with the Nazis I'm not sure I'd have to I should check I should have checked really um, obviously Spielberg's Jewish but it's kind of like a generation trying to deal with the horrors of the Holocaust how do you compute somebody taking away so many of 
people who are like... You know, what if tomorrow the government suddenly said, oh, all people from Yorkshire are, yeah. to, are, are not, you know, from, you know, a stateless and the restrictions on their business and the property and all this. And, you know, you, if you live in Yorkshire, we're going to send you to... A, we're going to put you in a ghetto in... Leeds or something, you know, 16 square blocks by 16 square blocks, basically. Yeah, it's just something, it's very hard to compute the Holocaust. It really is something, it's it's such an aberration that, you know, maybe we hope never happens again. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's the reasons I like it. Um, yeah, it's an important film, I feel. Um you know, I think there might have been some things maybe you didn't like. It's a long film. It's three and a quarter hours. I don't know if that was a problem for you. Um, that's wasn't an issue for me. It is. It's you know, it's quite clearly well defined film. It's got it's got a you know, it's got a decent structure to it. You know, you see Schindler at the beginning, a man on the make. You know, a bit of a cad and a you know a shyster and whatever. Um, he gets you know situations where he's not too happy with say um there's the man with the one arm who's like comes to him and he's like oh don't bring me anyone like that again he gets angry about that and then he sees the murder you know he witnesses firsthand the liquidation of the ghetto he also you know goes to the burning of all the corpses from that liquidation and sees you know, he sees the girls in the red coat being who's died, who's been killed, and yeah, I th- and that's kind of maybe the, the the part of the film where he changes personally, where he goes from being somebody just trying to make a a living to being someone who actually wants to save lives. And you know, somebody said, um, one of the critics said, "Oh, do you know? There's never. I think it might have been Roger Ebert even said, there's no moment in this film where.'" You know, Ishak says to to Schindler, "Let's make a list and save all these lives." It's just a knowing between the two characters. They know that this is the right thing to do. There's no there's no scene where they have to be like, "Let's do this," this because it's the right thing to do. It's you know, it's morally, naturally, a hu- as a human, you know, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, a lot of the films um, would have set that up as a big debate and a conflict between the two, as a as a as a midpoint turn scene. Yeah. Um. So what else you might have not liked? I mean, the film is in black and white. Um, I don't know. You don't seem like somebody bothered by that. I think... I mean, I'm not going to get into it here. I think we'll discuss it in your review, actually. But maybe that might have annoyed you. Um, And there's some historical inaccuracies that I found out whilst researching this, which... Um, basically it has to do with how the list itself was put together again I think I'll just go into it later when you do your review uh, rather than because obviously when you're watching it and when I saw it I didn't know that that's how it didn't happen so to speak so yeah um, yeah there's a few things they leave, leave out in the film uh, but it's fine they tell pretty much a pretty accurate story so that's everything I like thought potentially you didn't like uh, after the break, we're going to find out what Sam thought of Schindler's List. Sam's um, opinions. Yes. Sam's opinions, yeah. His ands and opinions. <laughs> so join us then. Uh, 
Hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. So now we're going to get Sam's opinions on um, on Schindler's List. Now, Sam, usually what we do at this part of the podcast You're going to surprise me now with a format change from seconds before. No, it's not so, no, no, it's not so much a format change. It's just more like we go, what you like, what you really, what you liked about this film, and then you tell us what you didn't like. Um, I, felt, I find that a bit... I know I've just done it, but maybe it might be a bit trite <laughs> for a film of this magnitude or this the weight of the the subject matter of this. But it's up to you. You're the person who's going to give your opinion. What? Tell me what you thought of this film. I suppose realistically is what I mean, rather than what you liked. Yeah, I mean, um, as you sort of said or implied, it's not a film to be enjoyed. It's a film, as you said with Edgar Wright. You know, it's 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 you're supposed to eat it because <laughs> it's good for you. And and it and it really is good for you. I mean, it's bad for you as well because it's it's just soul destroying. But um, what was really interesting that surprised me was, as you said, it's a long film, and that often is a problem for me. Not necessarily not enjoying a film, but I fall asleep at films all the time. You know, Lawrence of Arabia. I had to watch in two goes. I sort of stopped at the intermission and then watched the the last hour, an hour and a half, because it's about four hours that one. Uh, usually, I'm sort of drifting off or getting bored or checking my phone for this one genuinely three three hours 15 i didn't go to the toilet once which as you know my podcast co-host you know that that is a big thing for me in in three hours or 30 minutes um never checked to see how long was left of the film i just always thought there's probably two hours left so leave it you know i don't need to know there's an hour left i don't need to know there's two hours left um never ever got close to heavy lidded I just was was completely mm. enthralled the whole time, and part of that is, I suppose, respect for the for the subject matter of the film. It is it is something yeah. that it's impossible not to. I don't know if interest is a word, but yeah, to not take an interest in and be affected by. Um, you yeah. know, I've, I've, I mean, one of the most moving books I ever read was a book called Auschwitz by Miklos Nyschli. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it. It's a Hungarian name who was. Uh, a Jewish doctor who was kind of employed at Auschwitz under Mengele uh, because he was a doctor. You know, obviously he would have died much sooner if he wasn't. And he talks about the horrible experiments yeah. that that were carried out and the horrible oh, treatment like and those twins things. And things like that. Twins, giants, dwarves. Yeah, basically anybody yeah. who's. And he also says that you know he wishes it at least had some scientific merit, but he was so horribly unscientific about it that it didn't even have scientific merit. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to do yeah. scientific experiments, because you really don't give a shit about uh, the people you're experimenting on, it'd be good if they were at least useful. Uh, and I mean, it, some of the stuff they did with like the twins was like, he would infect one twin with like a deadly disease, chart its effects. And then when that twin died, would kill the other twin just to see the difference between the two of them. Exactly. Yeah, and also if you're gonna if you're gonna try and create a master race, he's also gonna try and find out why do people have twins, and go into horrible forensic kind of experimentation on that sort of thing. So yeah. it's a brilliant book. I think you didn't again. I don't think you'd enjoy it, but I think you'd really get something out of it. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. you'd appreciate it. Somebody True. who, you know, genuinely arrived at Auschwitz with a family, um, and you know, yeah, so his wife and young daughter. And talks about the system, how it worked, the you know the ramp, this side, that side, the you know the mountains of shoes, all the things. I remember visiting the Imperial War Museum. I assume you've been there several times. You lived in London for no, years. I don't think I did actually. So there's a there was a great. I I don't know if it's a if it's a like a 
a fixture or if it was just for a time uh, the Auschwitz exhibition and it was mm. yeah harrowing it was all kinds of things it was you know diaries of people it was footage of people talking about it actual footage things like you know German citizens who denied that it was happening or didn't know the extent of it were forced to go to Auschwitz and help to uh, bury the dead and yeah you know these these sort of harrowing images that you genuinely never are going to forget even just watching 70 years later on a you know on a screen um so it is something that's impossible to ignore so like i say i think maybe part of my me being enthralled was the, the just the respect of the the situation i think i'd i'd be sympathetic if somebody said that it, this was somehow um exploitative to make a film if that makes sense but i think the film is important enough to override that I used to work with a history teacher who said that he hates it when in textbooks you see pictures of people um, in these camps because he says, you know, that you didn't, they didn't have the permission to, to have their photo taken at their most dehumanised uh, point. You know, obviously the importance of them is, is in, but, but the actual people having those photographs taken of them, whether it's their corpses or while they're emaciated and kind of going through the worst things that people can go through. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I'd never heard that take before, but I completely. I mean, he sounds like it. somebody who hates any form of CCTV footage. <laughs> I'm guessing. No, no, not not just that you're taking about, a, not that you're taking you're a photo of somebody that. with not that you're taking a photo oh. of somebody because they haven't got your consent. It's you know yeah. they've got you've gone through years of poverty and starvation yeah. and, and awfulness. Well, that was that was part of the Nazi sort of regime, wasn't it, to dehumanise them as much as possible. Exactly, and, and they the totally easiest way you know, to do that. The, the first people you de- the first people you convince that they're not human is the not you know other Nazis and you call them rats and yeah in the Rwandan genocide they refer to as cockroaches yeah. uh, you know and that is that is the way to do it and that's why that's what people don't understand about Daily Mail headlines talking about you know migrants flooding and swarming of the piecemeal drip by drip effect that has on yeah. people's views towards immigrants and so on. So yeah, 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 incredibly important, handled, I think, really sensitively, excuse me, really sensitively. You're not ever, what I thought was kind of interesting, this is definitely not a flaw, but what was interesting is you're not asked to sympathise with the Nazi soldiers in this film, and I think that's for another film. You know, that's for Jojo Rabbit or something, that's for, that's another film altogether, because cause we don't have to sympathise with those people, although we, yeah, sort of, we do have to understand to... them. I'm trying to think if there's a film out there, maybe there is in another language, but in the English language, where somebody tries to completely empathise with somebody who's sort of caught up in the Nazi war machine. And the, I'd, I'd, I I'd, I'd really been interested to watch that film because you said earlier about the, we can't really use the word evil. Because, you know, in Hitler's yeah. eyes, for example, he wasn't evil. He was doing what was good. And it, what, it, to him, it wasn't an evil act. So yeah. objectively, um, you can't say it's an evil act because different people have different views on it, if that makes sense. Obviously, it's an evil act. But it's, yeah, it, it, as a psychology type person, you know, I would say I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not into, big into free will as a theory. So I always feel like there's an explanation for everything. Um, for a large part of this film, it seems like you know, most of the behaviour of the guards is well they genuinely don't think of these people as human beings that's the number one yeah. and the other thing is that it's it's this sort of totalitarian dystopia where 
everybody knows that you can't can't look a certain way you always have to run when they tell you to run you know you're completely uh you're completely controlled in a kind of every movement that you make yeah something i saw when i was watching this uh, as i mentioned that scene where he shoots that engineer girl, yeah um part of me was like run <laughs> you know yeah just run you know to? give yourself give yourself half a chance you know she just kind of gets dragged off pushed on the floor and then she's yeah she just is like oh well that's me fucked well that's it that, <laughs> you that, know that is the that is the mentality you'd have had to live yeah. with for several years at that yeah. stage you know and, yeah and and you do think oh well why don't they just you know it passes it crosses your mind well, why don't they just rise up and band together and not do these things you go well because they would literally all die you know so so it's 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 a social document. It's not even so much. It's not even so much they'd all die. It's just when men with guns turn up, and there's more of them, and dogs, and yeah. things like that. You know, what what good is it going to do? There, you're outnumbered regardless, and like you said, the outcome will be the same, won't it? Exactly. And and you've you, you've lived under years of that, so you're conditioned to, you know, you you look at the snow, just look at the snow, you know, um, and so yeah. it's. It is brilliant, and I think it's it's impossible not to talk about Liam Neeson's performance. I saw he was nominated. I think he obviously must have lost to the Philadelphia performance of Tom Hanks. He's so fantastic in this. He he is a ten mm. out of ten performance in this. I think a lot of that has to do with physically. It's a really physical performance. He's acting with his shoulders a lot of the time. He looks seven foot tall. You know, he's massive. And the, he's, his he's, costume... He's, well, he is known as the big fella. <laughs> yeah, he's big. I mean, how big... I don't know how big he's real life. He's probably only like six yeah. foot three or something like that. But he looks six foot six in this in this film. But, yeah. but six foot six wide. You know, six foot six wide. He, <laughs> he's really massive. And his performance is massive. He's He's such an alpha kind of charismatic he's got charisma for days you know so he's, he's 1.93 meters so that's what that's about 6'4 is it something like that yeah that's what I was thinking um, so he's big but he's just massive and I think it's also about blocking what was really interesting I kind of as always I've got it in the, oh, yeah, in the background 6'3 and I managed yeah, to 6'4 that's what I think yeah he's big but he's, he's not he's not lanky he, he kind of holds it well and he's got just the right body shape for it and I looked yeah. at the screen and he was looking up at the camera and I thought I don't think I'd seen that in this film, him looking up. I don't think I'd seen him from above, and it was when he was asking a character. He was kind of like, in the scene, he was the in, uh, he was a subordinate, but in every other scene, the camera's kind of below him or maybe on the same level as him, so he's always big. Ben Kingsley's a short mm. man, you know, so he towers over him. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, he's often in scenes with women and so on. Uh, I think it's a stunning performance because... Because you never, even watching it back, you're never sure of exactly at what point he became sympathetic. Did he actually, you know, you talked about maybe this turning point for him, but I always got the sense, maybe because I knew, I had a vague basic sense of how the film turns out and what kind of person he is. I had this vague sense that he went to Poland specifically with this mission to actually do good, rather than just profiteer, but... I mean... The, I mean, the, the history wouldn't really bore that out, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he, yeah, he just went because um, he wanted to make money. Um, and he's, but he's clearly, yeah, you he know, he's, he's clearly not an anti-Semite, even though he's, you know, he's in the Nazi party, as he says, and he's, he's a war profiteer and all these kind of things. He, yeah. 
I mean, you must presumably know about Sir Nicholas Winton. The what the Judenkinder transport, or something yes. like that. I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. So, listener, you've probably, um, you've probably heard. Yeah, I've well. heard of it. Where uh, the guy, have you, have you seen the clip from that's live? Oh, is it where like he doesn't realise there's a load of them in the audience? Or yeah, something? it's beautiful. So it's Esther Anson, and she's kind of reading these letters and saying, you know, this man saved dozens or hundreds of people. And he says, and by the way, Nicholas, you're sat next to one of the people you saved, and they have this little chat, and it's beautiful. And she says, is there anybody else in the mm. audience who owes their life to Nicholas? And they all stand up, and I'm feeling it right now. I watched it last night after yeah. watching this film again. I, cried. Really? I watched wow. it twice and cried twice watching it. It, it, <laughs> is, it is so beautiful. And in this film, there's so much drudge, drudging, dread, dreadful sadness but I mentioned, mm. and I'm not alone in this. I know a lot of people are the, are the same. I never cry at the sad things. So possibly the saddest moment in the film is, as you said, the girl in the red coat passes him a second time, this time on her way to be incinerated. And yeah. I, I didn't cry in that moment. I just felt absolute dread in the pit of my stomach. Or maybe I felt numb or nothing. You know, I felt hit by that. But the first time I cried watching this was, uh, I'll, I'll get into it more in favourite lines, but... Is, is beautiful moments and then what really tipped me over the edge was when it cut at the end again spoiler alert well not really spoiler alert we've kind of covered all the spoilers when it cut mm. at the end to uh, Schindler's Jews you know the the, the line mm. of them and I caught my breath kind of heart skipped a beat and just f- broke down in floods of tears it was so beautiful yeah, um, yeah just it's the, hard just not to well up at this film is it yeah I mean for you um, did you cry at this film or at what point do you feel oh, the most yeah. emotional impact <laughs> Oh, this film got got me a few times. Yeah. Um, I think the bit when they start liquidating the ghetto got me a little bit. Yeah. And then the bit when they come to the factory from Auschwitz, when Liam Neeson's just walking down the road with them, that got me because I think that was the sort of like the hope. Yeah. You know, when the the corner had been turned and you knew that all these people were gonna survive the war and you know they've been saved and then obviously the bit that probably got me the most was uh when he's upset when he's like oh i could have saved yeah. more lives and he's like going through the things like why have i got the car yeah and he breaks down yeah well that he, was it like that was a realizes. beautiful moment and then actually for me i found that really beautiful and then the bit that tipped me over the edge was when everybody kind of Gave him a big hug. Yeah, okay. I was like, oh god, yeah. you know, nearly killed me that. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. Like, he's he's a very complicated character, was Oscar Schindler, right? Because he, again, he was a bit of a Jack the Lad. You know, he was married, but he was sleeping around. You see yeah. that in the film. You know, he, his wife Spielberg comes. is a horny bastard, isn't he? In in a film <laughs> like this, there's so many tits around. It's like, come on, Steve, we yeah. don't need to see these. But you haven't. Anyway. Have you ever seen Black Book, the Dutch film? No. About the, with Carice van Houten from Game of Thrones in where she's she basically plays a Dutch resistance spy undercover agent and um, yeah there's loads of sex in there <laughs> <laughs> and that's in colour as well yeah I mean it's just norm it, there's yeah obviously there's a few scenes in there but like one thing yeah you know they they are going for realism you know if a girl is or a woman's <laughs> asleep without her top on in bed, she's she, unless she has the covers pulled right over, she's gonna have her tits out, isn't she? It's like a bloke would be. But sat maybe there that's the point that like that they are that the that the duvet is. I'm not complaining, but I'm just like 
Wow, that is. <laughs> it, with, you my, with, my wearing, it. My, with my wearing Mary Whitehouse mask, uh, you know, hat on, mask I would go. That on, is yeah, gratuitous in the sense of, I sh- I'm enjoying yeah. this, but I shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> I mean, apparently, Spielberg cast uh, Ralph Fiennes because of his sexual menace. Apparently, interesting phrasing. Yeah, because he um, yeah he goes to lengths to have a paunch. You know, he's not. He has his shirt off a yeah. lot, but he's not. He's not a hunk. Not in great shape, is he? No, and, no. and, and it is... It Apparently is, uh, he uh, drank a load of Guinness to put loads of weight to put Because <laughs> he seemed to yeah. put weight on, didn't he, over the course of the film, I think, it seemed. Because yeah. there for so, two, um, two years, so... What was I going to ask? Yeah, so, like, in terms of Oscar Schindler, the, the dichotomy of him, really, is that if he hadn't been this awful, kind of amoral, you know, profiteering sort of... I don't know, yeah, war profiteer, you know... Kind Nazi. of schmoozer Nazi, yeah, Nazi is a group, yeah. If he Literal wasn't a, Nazi. A, or a, I mean, for him, I, I always get the feeling that he's only a Nazi because it's good for business. It's good, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, even before the war, so Oscar Schindler was born in the Sudetenland. That's where he's from right. in the Czech Rep- in huh. modern day Czech Republic. And so when um, in the late thirties and thirty eight, when all um, when basically Hitler wanted to take over the Sudetenland, actually Schindler did espionage for the Nazi party and wow. reported on like troop movements and got arrested for it as as a spy and uh, collaborated with the Nazis and was going to be executed and only was saved when the Munich uh, Treaty was signed, you know, the one that gave the Sudetenland to to um, Adolf Hitler right. and when Clement Attlee waved the white piece of paper. Yeah. Um, you know, calling peace I mean, in our you time. Know, maybe, maybe part, maybe that's part of his motivation. I'd almost, I wouldn't want, you know, I feel like Netflix would do this. You know, the way that they've got like a Wonka prequel coming out, just called Wonka, and you know, like yeah. Ratchet and um, Cruella or whatever. You know, these things, and it'd just be called Schindler, and oh, it'd be yeah. a prequel <laughs> about how well, why he became so <laughs> altruistic. But you know, it yeah. would be an interesting character history to explore I, I think he I think in the film you see that it's like he doesn't really care like I say until he sees all the bodies being burnt Eve, he's obviously horrified by what's happening in the ghetto because obviously the woman he's with at that point is like come on let's leave and he's like he kind of can't take his eyes off it but he knows that he needs to go um, because it's so horrific but then that was that's the whole thing isn't it there was the bystander effect that they had during Definitely, World yeah. War 2 during the Holocaust um, these all these people like you know Oscar Schindler who may, you know he might not have been the best person in the world you know bad husband you know mixed with the wrong people but that that kind of his attitude to life sort of ended up being an attitude that would ultimately save these people which is crazy yeah you, you sort of need somebody like him because the, he's, he's the person who can get close to, to these it. people yeah yeah I mean, there's a great book. Oh, in fact, there's a couple of great books. Well, there's loads of great books by Stephen Fry. Um, but in in one of the books, I uh, see that's that's not even it's not even worth bringing up. But basically, I love these characters that are just kind of like born entrepreneurs. Um, you know, they're always going to win in these situations. You know, he he gets into some situations where you're like, wait, you're not even like an you're not an officer or something. How are you talking these guards like ordering these guards about <laughs> and like you know pushing you pushing your weight around basically uh, yeah. throwing your weight around I mean when he goes like in the scene where he goes to get um, Ishak off the train and yeah. he's saying oh you know 
you know, I'll put, I'll put By the end of the month. list and you'll be in Southern Russia, yeah. Um, so was there anything you didn't like about this film particularly? Is there yeah. anything that, even like technically or just any small criticism that you might have? No, no, there wasn't. I mean, it was so well done and I think so um, subtle and and subtexty and you know like we we hate justice league obviously you know how in justice league <laughs> do we they, i mean i don't like... hate it i just think it i just think it's you you genuinely hate batman versus superman yeah i think that's a better film than justice league personally just, so justice league is a bad film but i think i always i also feel it's kind of exploitative and, and rubbish anyway you know how they just yeah. throw in that russian or polish family uh, during the kind of horrible CGI oh, final the, bits. the um the uh, the Josh Sweden we need some relatable people exactly, like the yeah. waitress in let's uh, shoehorn that in, in, in what, Avengers, this, yeah. what this film does really well is it gives you lots of characters that you see time and time again but but you just hear these names in a Pfefferberg and so on over and over again uh, yeah. and you see these characters just just to illustrate the experiences of people but also to have a familiar face each time without it feel like feeling like oh yeah we need a, a set of relatable characters I mean that was for me one of the worst things about the first um, Purge film was what an interesting idea but it's all in one house and it's like okay I get the idea that you need to get, you need to relate it to one rich white family um, but uh, can we see actually its ramifications wider and I think this film does a great job of not just giving you a token Jewish family to root for it's it's a dozen Jewish families that you root for that, you know... Yeah, I mean, the one that I think you've noticed the most is the little girl with the glasses who... Yeah, Dan, she Dan tries. Can. Yeah, when she... Get, she Her mum... Her and her mum have, like... Oh. Have some really tough times. Like, she, that yeah. little girl ends up, obviously, in the... the oh, my loose, God. That, she? that, that, that was pretty bad. And then, the, yeah, the bit where they all, they're all celebrating because they've been past as healthy and they look and they see the trucks full of the children uh, going away and you're like, what that is like gut wrenching, you know, to any human, but also as a as a parent to a, a young child, that was a horrible idea, and yeah, I mean, the it was so hard to watch the girl in the red coat because she's just like my daughter, you know, my daughter's four soon and it's basically the same age, walks just like her, yeah. like from a distance, I was like, God, yeah, I'm watching my daughter there, and uh, that was fucking horrible, that was just horrible to yeah. watch, yeah. Yeah, but yeah no it is isn't it it's awful isn't it yeah. um, so I suppose the question then so you've no flaws and I don't think it's necessarily a flaw of the film but I think it's worth having a conversation about is the use of the black and white Right. now my understanding was the reason it was done in black and white was because Spielberg felt like the colour was going out of the world right. essentially during the Holocaust and as an artistic choice I entirely understand that and obviously when you see the little girl walking down the street and she's um, you know in the red coat obviously it stands out like a sore thumb my only th- and I don't know if I believe this but I suppose if I'm going to you know, you know give some critical analysis you know actually to try and look into this film correctly is that perhaps the fact that you have it in black and white even though it adds to the aesthetic of the film and is an artistic license it there's a Black, we don't, you know, the majority of people don't see in black and white. We don't, you know, we have full colour. And when you put something in black and white, it kind of tends to 
to make it otherworldly, to dull the effects of what you're seeing. And part of me kind of thinks, I would have loved to have seen a cut of this film in colour, because when it's in colour, you can relate to it more because it feels more um, more textured. You know, you can you can feel it a bit more. You can see it a bit more. You know, there's you, you, the bodies. You know, would be not black and white. They'd be flesh coloured. You know, the the you just the, you, the blood isn't just a dark stain on the snow it's it's crimson red against the white background it's you see it and it's all it's horror horror or even like you said when the little boy jumps in the the toilets in the latrines and he's you know that 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 sense of visceral realness is kind of dulled perhaps by the color choice but at the same time you yeah. could argue well you know, this was such another. This was such an aberration that yeah, it is almost otherworldly. So we are going to do it in black and white to show how unrealistic this situation really did. And become not only that, but because it took strange. part in the forties, to our eyes, the forties is in black and white. If this was about, yeah, you know, the Serbian like like, or even let's say the Rwandan genocide in the nineties. And it was black and white. You go, that's um. <laughs> I, understand, I understand the artistic choice. The Rwandan genocide, you'd expect it to be in 4 3. Wouldn't yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but whereas, you know, you wouldn't yeah, go, oh, that's how I mean. see the 90s. This is how I see these things. Yeah. So I think you're right to say that that is. I think you, I like think you say, you play devil's advocate asking, as that could yeah. be an argument somebody would make. But for yeah. me, I, I, I would like to see a colour version of the film, but. Yeah, no, because it, it, it tallies with all the other footage I've seen of this kind of era. Right, Sam. So next, what we're going to go do is our usual segment of uh, favourite lines, f- uh, f- favourite scene, favourite lines, and uh, favourite shots. Or I think with this film, it's hard to say favourite scenes because oh yeah, because <laughs> my favourite scene was when the bodies were burning. No, I think maybe yeah. the best best scenes, yeah. lines, and shots. Yeah, I think that's more an appropriate sort of um, title nomenclature yes for this week's um, <laughs> segment so yeah what was your yeah. best scene of the film there was a real toss up between the three but the one that I really liked as a as a for its significance for the character was when Schindler berates Stern for giving him such a soft reputation you know, you sent these people over, and I know what you're doing, and I can see what you're doing. And I just thought, as as you said, you know, it, it's never spelled out between them. Well, you've got to make a list, and this, and this, and this. It's never even spelled out between them what his motivations are. Mm. You know, Stern still almost sees him with uh, suspicion up until like the latest possible moments. In some ways, you know, he he does seem as is just this Nazi German profiteer. Yeah, and he, he's only warms to him later on. Uh, and I I just really loved it because. You see that the pressure that Schindler is carrying carrying on his shoulders, that he has to, on the face of it, be a legitimate businessman who is making deals with the you know, worst people. very high up Nazis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and yet he's doing it all for good. And you know that that I thought was a very important scene. Uh, how about yourself? Um, it's it's hard. It's a toss up between when Schindler's leaving the factory and he breaks down and he's saying, oh, I could have done more. And the scene between him and Stern, when they, when Stern's like, oh, I think I'll have that drink now. When he finds out yeah. that the oh. ghetto's going to be, uh, sorry, the work camp's going to be liquidated, essentially. And they don't know what, yeah. and at that point, they don't know what to do. So he's kind of, um, 
sort of saying, yeah, I'm going to get murdered. So um, I think we better we better have a drink now because I don't think they'll. And again, be this film afterwards. The, the, uh, uh, I forget the name of the screenwriter. Do you have it to hand? Yeah, it's uh, Stephen, uh, I think it's Zalian, I think he's called. Zalian. That's right. And won the Oscar as well, didn't it, for Best Screenplay? Yeah. And the, he thoroughly understands subtext. And, the, yes. you know, this is an age of subtext, this this time when um, you can't always say your plans. Because, you know, if he was too open and honest with Stern, that's something that could be used against him later on. Yeah. Or, or that's, you know, he can't necessarily trust anybody. Um no, that's beautiful. And I agree, you know, when he, when he's leaving the factory and he decries the fact that he could have saved more. And it's just this beautiful thing. And Stern says there'll be generations because of what you did. It is, you know, it's one of the standout scenes of the film. It's a very famous scene. Yeah. I also love his speech when peace is declared. Yeah. To the to the factory and says, maybe you'd better bring your, your guards in. And what a fucking ballsy move to say, well, here's your chance to kill them all now. Because yeah. that could have been like, a, that couldn't have not paid off. Stern looks <laughs> He's still at talking him. to a bunch of anti Semites with guns. Stern looks at him, doesn't he, as if to go, What the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know, yeah. What if one of them is but it's a great line, isn't it, where he goes, Just you know, one. you can in that scene where he goes, you can leave as murderers yeah. or you can go home to your family as, leave men. as men. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say, Beautiful. there is some great lines in this film. I wouldn't say it's, I didn't think it was like pockmarked with amazing great lines from start to finish. But i tell you something I didn't remember this film being is in the first maybe hour of the film, there's actually some quite funny bits. Um, if, yeah. 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 Bits yeah. that I actually found myself laughing out loud at which I wasn't expecting and I don't didn't remember laughing at the previous time I watched it Um, but yeah the bit when he's he breaks down and he's fucking going I could have done more I could have saved more and you know because there's a part of you that's like yeah you know he's like I could have made more money and you're like yeah he probably why do I still have this car you know this truck yeah if, if he'd made more money he could have set up more factories and done more for more people and you know, he's the risk. I mean, you forget the risk he was taking because he at, yeah. at this at that stage he is collaborating against you know the Nazi regime. You know, to to go against policy that they were. You know, let's not. You know, at the end of the day, the Nazis were very successful with this policy. Unfortunately, yeah. that's the God's honest truth. This is this is an I mean, outlier, really, isn't it? When you think about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And in some ways, there. I've heard it said that you know their anti-Semitism and their their inability to work with Jewish people was their downfall because the best physicists in Europe at the time were often Jewish. Well, um, you know, if Hitler was a, if he allowed Jewish scientists to work for him, they would have had a, a bomb before <laughs> the Allies. Well, did. I've, I've heard of this, uh, like yeah. you know, when people talk about the psychology of it all, and it's like when the war turned against the Nazis, that's when they ramped up their, their extermination of Jewish yeah. people. Yeah. You know, the, the lengths they went to to, to fall even... And they have the death marches to get out of the camps. And yeah. Thousands yeah. More, you know. they just, just the lengths they went to conceal their crime, though, as well. Like, from, you know, they would... When they first started murdering Jews just for being Jews, they would take, you know... Uh, I think, is it the Einsatz group, I think they're called... They would take groups of people out in lines out into forests. So what they would do is right. they'd have these people walking through a forest so they couldn't see what was ahead of them. And then it was only when they got to like the head of this queue that they saw like the the graves dug in front of them and the mass graves and the way they were basically murdering people. But then that had such a profound effect on the people doing, you know, shooting the people. This was one of the yeah. reasons they came up with, 
gassing them because of the the psychological effect it was having killing these people on the troops asked to do the killing. Um, right. There was um, a book called Ordinary Men, I think it's called, oh, where yeah. it's about the like the banality of evil and all that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and it's about um, how a group of police officers, I think, either from Poland or Germany, who were you know nice middle class men, went from being you know upstanding citizens, you know carrying out regular laws, you know were were old enough that Nazi propaganda didn't really work on them anymore because they were all apparently but apparently propaganda doesn't work on you once you get to about the age of twenty two you just stop kind of buying into Unless stupid... you're American, apparently. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you just kind of stop buying into stupid things and uh, or propagandist things. And they went from being, you know, just ordinary police officers to being men who took out pregnant women into the, you know, shooting them in the head and things like this. And yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's it's awful. I mean, there's no other way to put it, is there? And, and the scale of it as well, because there's just thousands of cases like that. And there's a case study... I teach in psychology about obedience uh, in the Reserve Battalion 101 and, you know, the orders they're given to basically kill innocent people in a, in a small town, yeah. even though their colonel, their, well, I don't know what you call it, their officer has said, yeah. you can refuse this if you want, you can leave, like one person handed over his rifle, the rest of them went on with it and just drank lots of vodka to, to deal with it, you know, and it Again, you know, we're not, we don't have to be sympathetic to actual literal Nazis, but it would be an interesting film to, from a psychological point of view, to understand that. Yeah, yeah, because it's hard to understand the psychology. I mean, one of the things I saw about it, they were saying that essentially they they didn't they, they these men were kind of almost like not, they weren't volunteers, but it was sort of a voluntary group they were in so but the reason they didn't leave or people didn't leave was because they felt like they were shirking the responsibility of doing you know the dirty yeah. work for, on their other right. like to them their comrades or their colleagues that's you know, it it becomes a loyalty to your to your friend uh, yeah your country doesn't it yeah it's an interesting sort of i suppose from your point of view as somebody who's obviously you know professionally interested in psychology it's sort of that kind of you know what what how does group think like this and you know tribal thoughts how does how does it go from being that's just a different group of people to oh they are less than human therefore we must murder them and you know treat them like insects or animals or whatever but yeah exactly uh, it's, it's and that's it's it's fascinating on a million levels and it's um it is a subject that this film even though it's three and a bit hours can only scratch the surface of Oh yeah, everything goes into it, but it's a wonderful job of trying to account for as much as it possibly yeah. can. I think you get to see a lot of it with Schindler as well, because he is somebody who's kind of, um, he's you know he's an amoral sort of person really at, at the beginning of the film, even up until yeah. the halfway point. You know, I did. I, I know this sounds really trite, but I did sort of see him as a Tony Stark figure. I don't know if that's. A bit bullshit, but you know, it's like a really films. To be honest, well, I do, you know, but he's, he's a smarmy, womanizing man of means who, you know, finds his heart and sacrifices and all that. And obviously, you know, some listeners will think, "All right, I'm going to turn off now." <laughs> but you know, that that's one of the reasons why that Tony Stark arc is so beloved and yeah. significant is because he goes from that, um, you know, immoral capitalist. I mean, I'm not going to. But well, that's the last of. I'm not going to make that comparison, Stark. quite frankly. Yeah, fair enough. Fair it's enough. A silly. Uh, Jesus Christ, then. I'll say Jesus Christ. Lovely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what was the best line of the film for you? 
I did like a lot of lines. I think the one I've got a few in reserve, but the one that stood out actually. The, so the one that made me cry first time oh, yeah. was when Oscar's got his factory. He's talking to the man who was making the hinges. I forget his name actually. Oh, yeah. um, you know who? God knows how survived. That's the, you know, the, the rabbi, isn't he? And all that. Turns out that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and he says, you know, the sun's going down. What's the matter with you? You should be preparing for the Sabbath. And yeah. I'm kind of tearing up a little bit just <laughs> just saying that and thinking about that. That to go from, uh, you know, like a lot of people talk about, you've got to be tolerant towards gay people or whatever. And I hate that tolerant. Well, I've got to tolerate the fact that somebody loves somebody of the same gender. That's that's an awful phrase. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than hatred, obviously. But and he's doing more than tolerating it. He's actually. Um, encouraging it and uh, and he's he's finally giving these you know these people they're persecuted for their faith and they're not, they're not even allowed to practice their faith mm. while they've been persecuted yeah. uh, so that absolutely slayed me that one that's it's good as well because it kind of it's oscar gives the man his dignity almost isn't it it's like he's yeah. saying it's, it's that's it yeah, yeah dignity yeah it's recognizing the humanity in that person, and then exactly. and then there's the great shots of all the Nazis soldiers listening to them all praying and kind of looking yeah. a bit bamboozled, which is <laughs> a bit of Schadenfreude, I guess. Um, for me, it, you know, it's the classic lines in this film. Quite frankly, um, I, I don't know which one I prefer. Again, I find it hard to say which one I prefer. Um, I do like the bit when he gets the ring and he's reading and it says, oh, it's Hebrew, it's from the Talmud. Yeah. It says, whoever saves one life saves the entire uh, the world. That was entire, my second choice, apparently. the world entire. That is a beautiful, yeah. beautiful quote. Oh, then, but then there's, but then the one that I think is probably f- taken from, from a book is this list is an absolute good, the list of life. All around the margin lies the gulf. That's just a, such a clever... Poetic. Yeah. Um, you know him saying I could have done more you know just that him breaking down and saying that's a great line um, obviously Amon Goethe or Goethe, Goethe or whatever how you pronounce that uh, he's obviously I forgive you and him struggling with that that little soliloquy he has when he's talking to yeah. Helena but he's not talking to her you know yeah that that's that that is uh, and in you know the pardoning Oscar Schindler, that is wonderful psychology yeah. manipulation. <laughs> to be like, you can be the guy who pardons them, the emperor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it was brilliant. Yes. <laughs> My final favourite line was uh, when Schindler, right, almost one of the final lines of the film, actually. Um, Stern, if this family, uh, family, if this factory ever produces a show yeah. that can actually be fired, I'll be very unhappy. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, so that is much. a good bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it, he spent all his money, didn't he, in the end, on... Uh, that factory and looking after the Jewish people there and you know he, he never made millions again he was a very he, he, his marriage broke down in the end he, he went to Arge yeah he went to Arge he applied for reparations from the US government for like saving all the Jews he applied for a million dollars and they gave yeah wow. they, they gave him 15,000 and said you know be happy that we give you that um, yeah this will yeah. this will be your boat ticket to Argentina yeah yeah, yeah and then that he was a farmer for a bit, but that didn't work out. He then left his wife, returned back to Germany, and then yeah, he's married in the Catholic cemetery in Jerusalem. And that is a wonderful scene. I I normally don't like it if a if a film that's based on a true story it has the real people at the end. Uh, I, I it brings me out of the film, but for this because it oh god, I needed that so much at the end of it. You yeah, know, after the after the grueling three hours, yeah, it was 
so uplifting and to it, see and you see people. his um you see his wife don't you she's in it as well there yeah, at the end even yeah. though like she you know she had a probably the most complicated relationship with him of all because she he wasn't a yeah. great husband but she recognized the the eternal good that he did sam we're now going to do the favorite shot or best shot of the film so is there one one particular one for you here for this film yeah, and I think I think this is where the best rather than favourite comes in. It, the gut punching scene of the seeing the red coat the second time round, right? In terms of significance, but I think you know that was the one that had a, just the biggest awful reaction on me. But I think when it cuts to the modern day, as they're called, Schindler's Jews uh, filling the screen, that's probably my favourite shot. It has to be said. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think as well with that second um, shot is you get a tiny little... I watched when I was watching it again, there's a tiny little flash of the red coat that you see before you see it fully. Like you get a little... Right. Your eyes just pick up a little bit of red and you're like, oh. And then you see the like the wheelbarrows <sighs> with the bodies on and you see the little girl, which I just, yeah, I don't know how you could... How can you kill children? It's like that bit when the little boy tries to run off and he just shoots him when the guards catch him. It's like, yeah. it's, it's yeah. an awful thing to do to a person. Um, yeah, mine was probably, the, not the, wasn't the second shot, it was probably the first shot when she's just wandering down the street. And right. yeah, you see her for the first time and the music changes and all that's probably the best shot. And I also like the candle at the beginning when it burns down and it's the candles in colour mm. but everything else has gone to black and white but I, yeah I like that as well good choice so, right so what we're going to do next is we're going to go for a break and after the break we're going to do the critics uh, we're going to get some correspondence we're going to get some what you thought of the film your rating and we'll do a quiz so yeah join us after the break Welcome back to Please Watch This. So now what we're going to do, Sam, is we're going to look at the critics for this film and see what they thought of it at the time. Um, as you know, we are our go-to critic, um, good old Snoop Rogie Rog, Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. Obviously, had some things to say about this film. Would you like to hear what he had to say? I suspect it's positive. Yeah, so in this movie, the best he has ever made, Spielberg treats the fact of the Holocaust and the miracle of Schindler's feet without the easy formulas of fiction. He depicts the evil of the Holocaust and he tells an incredible story of how it was robbed of some of its intended victims. He does so and dramatic contrivances that would inspire the usual melodramatic payoffs. Spielberg is not visible in the film, but his restraint and passion are present in every shot. As you can imagine, he gave it four and a half stars. Yeah, if, four and a half. Wow. Sorry, really? four stars. Sorry. I don't know where I got that I was going to say, from. blimey. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know he did that. No, no, he doesn't. Yeah, know. this is the thing. Like, it was, for me, I, I kept having to remind myself it's a Steven Spielberg film because of that. Because I do still pigeonhole him as kind of childhood wonder fantasy kind of yeah. film kind of guy Jurassic Park ET yeah. as well but 
Yeah, and like you say, Jurassic Park came out basically the same year. And it is astonishing that he's able to do that. And I think John Williams as well, you know, he's he's capable of these massive scores, but in this one it's kind of sad strings. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's beautifully played. I mean, he showed the film to John Williams and uh, John Williams had to go out of the screening room, gather his, go for a little walk, gather his thoughts and emotions. He came back and said something along the lines of... Um, you know, obviously Spielberg asked him to, to score the film and he says, oh, you need a better conductor or a better composer. Wow. And um, Spielberg just replied, yeah, but they're all dead. As in, <laughs> as in they were murdered by the Nazis, yeah. basically, which is uh, quite sad in itself. Which, Although, I don't think I'd say that to John Williams. <laughs> but maybe it was the way he said oh, it. Do, do, you think he just, does, do you think it just means that you're the best living composer? I'm pretty sure that's all that means. I don't know. I felt it was... I don't think, don't think it means they were killed in the Holocaust. Oh, you mean it was like... He meant like, oh, you need a better composer. It's like a, a Mozart or a Beethoven or some one of these... Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're... Yeah, they're dead, yeah. Um, I've got another review here from The Guardian. This time it's from somebody I don't think we've had on before. I've never come across him. Called uh, Derek Malcolm. He wrote quite an extensive review in The Guardian back in 94. This was from... Um, his review overall, actually, he doesn't give a rating. This is how old the, the article is. There's no rating right. on it. Um, he says the film's flawed in parts. He says it doesn't do much, anything new that's been not been done before elsewhere. Uh, he uh, cites a film called... There's a couple of films he cites, but one of them is called Shoah, which is, the I think, the Hebrew word that they use mm. for the Holocaust or something along those lines. Um, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners out there, what the difference between Holocaust and Shoah is. Um, but he says, ultimately, the film is memorable as much for simple testimony as for the cinematic art it displays. It is, of course, hardly artless, either intellectually or technically, and it certainly leagues ahead of anything else Hollywood has ever hinted at, at this on this subject, as well as being bravely sure that what it is saying will count with the millions of those who will see it merely because it's the director made by E.T. and Jurassic Park. So oh, he's, he's yeah. again, he's praising it, Spielberg for his kind of, you know, not using his dramatic sort of techniques, filmmaking that he's, you know, accustomed to. Um, they both... I mean, I, I, actually, I can't remember what Derek, if Derek Malcolm praised the actors, but um, uh, Roger Ebert was very, very praiseworthy of the uh, the actors in that film. Mm, uh, good, he had positive good. things to say about them. We've also got a little review here from our good friend Dakota Arsenault. Friend over of the show. At, friend of the show over at ContraZoom Pod. Um he said for him he said that I didn't do enough scene might be one of the most heart-wrenching moments ever it's hard to really break down a film that is just so well made because once it finishes you basically are left feeling hollow from the horror and impressed by the craft and that's a uh, yeah it's, a, it's a incredible it's pithily it sums up the film you do feel you, you f- it's almost like he's a really good podcaster almost um, <laughs> who our listeners should listen to definitely contra zoom um, he also had a bit of trivia for the film just to make it on the lighter yeah. side of things give he it said, to us 
He said, my favourite piece of trivia about the movie is that Spielberg returned to college to get his degree like 30 years later and submitted this film as his thesis. He, of course, graduated because how do you not accept the best picture winner as homework? (laughs) Yeah, I quite like that. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, hopefully you got a first for it. (laughs) Or it could be like, was there that famous story, isn't there, of the girl who who didn't get an A or an A star at A level when she was doing, or an A, I think it was A, just A back then when she was doing a review of her father's book <laughs> because the teacher didn't agree with her interpretation of it apparently. <laughs> That's really funny. Despite well, the, I was the talking author to a, being I was at home. A, <laughs> I was talking to a colleague of mine, an art teacher, and sort of saying, you know, how do you, how do you give a grade to a piece of artwork for A-level or something like that? Yeah. And yeah, he was talking about squaring that is this artistically brilliant, but also have you done the research? Have you done the blab? You know, have you done the what the exam board wants you to do, basically? Yeah. Because there are exam pieces that... Yeah. There are art pieces that probably wouldn't get a very good grade. Oh, yeah. The, I think I've always said the only difference between... Other than, obviously, the great, say, Renaissance works of arts and sculptures that are, you know, stuff like your Caravaggios and or people who do, you know, they do those as close to real-life paintings you know, those ones that are almost photorealistic. Mm. They're incredible. I love them. Um, but then, yeah, when it comes to, like, interpretive stuff, it basically just comes down to, oh, did you go to art school? And do are you self-aware? <laughs> can you explain of, why this is significant? Yeah, yeah, you're self-aware enough to know that what you've done is significant. That's all it comes down to. It's such a weird, yeah. weird world. Funny old game. I've never, never, Funny old game. I've never very good at it, so it was never something I really looked into too much beyond the superficial um so sam we get to the nub the 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 nub the crux of what we do here the crucible (laughs) of here at uh, i was gonna say contra zoom then (laughs) (laughs) another plug yeah um here at please watch this uh how many bottles of uh ill-gotten cognac would you give this out of 10 (laughs) black market rating system a ten. Yeah, there's no other. A ten out of ten. Yeah, yeah. You what, I mean, what else can I? What else can I say? Yeah, well, I mean, you could say some very inc- politically incorrect things. I imagine. I suppose in, in the tells you real of things on the could juice. be said. <laughs> What's there are that? all kinds of things human beings can say. Yeah, yeah it's true. terrible things. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's a. It's, it really is a ten out of ten film, isn't it? More for what it, what it, what it shows, I guess, and trying to be as it's significant authentic it does have some historical inaccuracies quite frankly um apparently on then i'm gonna go for a nap or a drink and you uh no, talk no, us through there's it. literally they're not, they're not many but the, the only one that is there is apparently the list wasn't compiled by um schindler and um stern stern in schindler's office it was done by schindler got a man called um marcel goldberg to do it um, and because yeah, I'm conflicted was on that because that's that's time. a shame for Marcel Goldberg's legacy. Yeah, but cinematically, you're going to be like, oh, here's this new guy. By the way, it doesn't matter. He's just typing, <laughs> you know, yeah. and he's going to help me with the names. Yeah, he compiled the list apparently, but there's been there's some controversy surrounding him. Some say that he put his friends on there and he put, you know, he would buy and sell names off it and things like that and then there was also other people who said you know there was one woman who asked him to put him on the list and she just he put her on the list so I don't know where I, I, it's not something I'm overly aware of and I just heard it on a you know one of those for the, for the, for the purpose of the film it's best if it's not turned into a, an opportunity for 
bartering, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that would be sending out entirely the wrong message of this film. Yeah, and it kind of, it does annoy me a little bit because it kind of shies a little bit away from the historical reality of, you know, a film that tries to be as accurate as possible and to show. I mean, one thing he said, Spielberg said, he wanted to do it in German and Polish, but he said he did it in English because... Um, he wasn't sure if he'd be able to direct somebody correctly in a yeah. language he didn't understand. I did consider that, and it, it didn't. It's not a problem for me if you're going to have an American or British-made thing by English-speaking directors who don't speak a second language. Mm. It's not a problem for me to just have Ralph Fiennes turn up with a very camp German accent. But what was really interesting is when they're barking orders, it's in German because that's yeah. the authentic part of it. And I thought yeah. it was really, really fascinating. Yeah, it's weird, that isn't it? But I like I like that part of the film. I kind of like the fact that it's sort of. I think that's how you should do it when you make films set in other countries. You know, when people turn up with American and British accents in in films and it's like, you know, this is Germany. Hey, you know, even like a film, <laughs> like a great film like Jojo Rabbit, you know, they're all pretty yeah. much speaking sort sort like with English or American accents. But I like that in this film that they just, everyone speaks with German or Polish accents. Yeah. that's If you're going to make a film for an English speaking audience... You could subtitle it, but like you say, Steven Spielberg wouldn't feel comfortable directing a film in another in a foreign language. So yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. I'm fine with that convention. You yeah. just buy into it in the first minute, and that's yeah. fine, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if I entirely agree with him. You know, Mel Gibson's made films in dead languages. You know, and those films say what you want about them. You know, there's a lot. I mean, especially with Apocalypse, there's a lot of historical inaccuracies in that film, but. It's an enjoyable film, you know, good performances authentic, feel authentic because they're in a foreign language, I guess. Um, also, also, you, you'd miss intonation and so on. Yeah, you I know, guess. Because you hear them in English, you, you, sent, you sense the difference between Schindler and Goethe's. Well, I suppose somebody saying, yeah. I forgive you, and, you know, him going in the mirror saying, I forgive you, I forgive you, and all. And then, you wouldn't get the... You wouldn't get the, the sort of irony Subtlety, of that or yeah. the... Yeah, exactly. The practice that he's putting into it. Yeah. Right, Sam. So, so we can end this show on a bit of a lighter note. I'm going to ask... I'm mm. going to, we're going to do a quiz now. We've got five quiz, quiz questions to see how well Give you've watched quizzing. Old Schindler's List. Not to be confused with the sequel where he goes to the pub New and gets Schindler's pissed. <laughs> uh, that one's for Juicy. That's for Juicy, that <laughs> That's for Juicy. That's his, one of his favourite jokes. Um... It says he nearly got him sacked once for telling that joke when he was working at Marks and Spencer's. <laughs> Maybe he'll explain it one day. Okay, so it's a hard film, as you could imagine, to make quiz questions for, but mm, I tried my mm. best. Um, Literally trivialising it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, come to please watch this where we trivialise the Holocaust. <laughs> right, question one. What is the name of Oscar Schindler's factory? In English or oh, German? I, d- I don't care. Uh, I don't know. It's um, def- no, I don't know. I don't know. You have to tell me. Uh, I'm going to do it in English because that's the language I speak. <laughs> it's the German Enam- Enamel Fabrication Company. That's right. Or I remember this. I remember seeing D-E-F. Deutsche Fabrik. Yeah, that was D stuff. Yeah. yeah. I did German for only five years. But well, that was that was yeah. fifteen years ago. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, that factory's still there today. I think they filmed on location wow. when they. Uh, that's amazing. When they made it. Uh, what month and year was the Krakow ghetto liquidated? It does tell you. Um, 1941? 43. And what yes. month? 1943. And so I feel like I saw September. 
Well, you had a one in twelve chance, <laughs> <laughs> and you got it wrong. Uh, it's uh, March nineteen forty-three. Um, yeah. Um, What's so, really interesting as well is it always seems to be cold and winter until they're they're um, freed. And then you see the sun on their faces as they're walking. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That yeah, I wonder when it was, when that factory was liberated by the Rus- the Ruskies. Um, question three, what is the name of the work camp that they end up going to? This was a one you mentioned, was it a plas- Plisov? Plasov? What, what was the word? You're close, but I'm not going to give yeah, you the marks unless you get it right. That's fine. No, I tell uh, me. Plasal. Plasal. Mm-hmm. But then again, if I'm, I'm saying off... That's that's the Polish, isn't it? Plasov, like Krakow. Yeah, but it's Plasov. They wouldn't say Krakow. Yeah, O W. Yeah, that's how they pronounce Krakow. it, isn't it? Krakow. They'd say Krakow. They pronounce it Krakow. Well, we're doing it in English. <laughs> it's Plasov. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently that. Obviously, I don't think in the film it was, um, but it, and it's alluded to. Apparently, the the work camp was built on a Jewish cemetery, and you see the grave stones oh, used as. Um, I never noticed that in the first time I watched the film, but yeah, there's the gravestones are used as a. I wonder road, what the significance they? of that was. That's horrible. Yeah, it's awful, isn't it? But um, yeah, it's true that uh, Amon Goeth used to or Goeth or however you pronounce it. I can't. I can't pronounce that guy's name. Um, <laughs> he did apparently used to like take pop shots at people. Take yeah. Did you ever see that Netflix thing? I think it's called The Monster Next Door or something like I've that. Heard of it? I've not or seen Evil it. Next Door. It's the it's a guy living in the US who some people recognise as maybe being the Evil Next Door. Some people accused him of being a guard in I can't remember the particular camp, but saying he this was like like Amon Goethe, Goethe kind of guy. You know, he mm. would like he was known as the butcher or something like that, and he would just cut people. He would cut people's limbs off just walking past and he looks a lot like him and they were saying no this is an actual war criminal and he's just living in a like you know rural or like suburban america yeah. he went on trial in um jerusalem i think mm. or israel or, you know he went somewhere in israel or something like that i think jerusalem yeah and he went on trial a couple of times it's really fascinating four-part five-part documentary yeah fascinating there's um a good there's a good dramatization of um, with Martin Freeman and Rebecca Fountain um, about the trial of is it Speer Albert Speer I think it might be um, I'm gonna have to quickly check I can't remember the name of it let's assume it's Speer just while you explain it to yeah us. and yeah but it's it's obviously the um, the the um, Mossad captured this former Nazi, like high-ranking Nazi, um, and um, they put him on trial and uh, obviously found him guilty of being, uh, you know... A, One of the worst people in yeah. human but there history. Was, um, I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago there was there was a trial, I think this was in 2018 or 2017, there was a Oh, was this the 96-year-olds in New York or something? Yeah, yeah. He was put on... Yeah, he was put on trial wasn't he in his yeah like you said his 80s or 90s he was only like I think he was about I don't know can't have been any older than 18 or something I think when it you know when it happened and uh, yeah so that that that's that's the thing that you know people are still being convicted of crimes you know the crimes against humanity it doesn't matter if you're 
70... There's no statute of limitations on that. Oh, it's Adolf Eichmann they caught. It was the show's called... Eichmann, right. From 2015 called The Eichmann Show, yeah, because... Was it the 50s he finally caught it? 70s they caught him. 70s, fuck I think. Because that's obviously where we get the famous uh, Nuremberg defence of I was only following orders. Sorry, 60s, 61. 60s, 61 was it? Yeah, yeah, I could, yeah. It's a good, it's good, 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 uh, good, uh, good thing. It's a good show, mm. literally. Um, so, so yeah, so that was so that's Krakow. Is that all the questions? No, okay, we've got so one more. two more. Um, two more. Where was the factory relocated to? To Oscar Schindler's hometown mm-hmm. that I don't know the name of. I'll get. I'll uh, I'll give you the points or the point if you tell me what country it was in. In oh, I was going to say Germany, but Czechoslovakia. Oh, you you uh, Germany. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were almost right. No, it's, you're right. It was Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Czechoslovakia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's Brunlitz or Brunlitz is where he was Brunlitz, from. Brunlitz. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Extra points for that. I didn't. I just wanted you to give me the country, but uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's not obvious that they go from one country to another in the film. So no, no. And finally, how many lives did Oscar Schindler save initially? Uh, not overall. Or not oh, so Austin. on the list was... How many does it say? Eight. There's two answers to this, technically, but what does he okay, say yeah. in the film at the end? When he's... So I think on the list there was 850, but it says he saved, I think, 1,100. That's correct, yeah, in the film. They and ultimately it's over 6,000 kind of people, well, like, generations. Generation yeah, because of his yeah. action. Yeah, in, nice. the number I had was 1,200, but in the film it says 1,100, doesn't it? Right, because right. um, right. I think it was eight hundred and fifty factory workers, and then it was another three hundred and fifty, uh, like other peoples, Jewish people, who he saved, basically. Top lad. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that concludes the quiz and this week's it does. episode. So, pretty much. I do dive into Schindler's List. Great yeah. film. It's it's one that I've had on my my list of my films of to watch for the podcast ever since the beginning and I'm I'm so happy that I've got a chance to watch it yeah and, I, and I'm, I'm glad that I've been vindicated I'm glad that I liked it I would have hated to have to come on this episode and say yeah worthy cause but terrible film you know it well, was I a mean, genuinely you bad know, film films have it. been made about worthy causes you know exactly I and I was so glad that this wasn't that I don't think I've ever seen a bad film to do with the holocaust but I'm sure it exists I, I feel like somebody, if somebody like Roland Emmerich tried to make a film, <laughs> people would just say, you're not allowed. <laughs> you know, you don't have the subtlety or wit well, to mean, do that. <laughs> I mean, hopefully David Irving will never make a film about the Holocaust, because it'll be two hours and nothing, won't it, in his yeah. opinion. He went to prison oh, for that, dear. didn't he, in Austria, that prick. Rightfully so. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I'm glad it was, and it's Spielberg, and it's and it's Liam Neeson, it's all these people who yeah, did a fantastic, nice. and, and Miss Honey from Matilda, they all did a fantastic Miss job. Honey's from Matilda in that, is she? Helen Hirsch. Is that Helen Hirsch? M, M. Beth Davids, I think she's called, yeah. Oh, I didn't recognise her at all. She looks yeah, entirely amazing, different. isn't it? Sure. I believe yeah, uh, you. Yeah, yeah. I just, she just... Go- Google it. I'm gonna... And look. it would have been around the similar time as well. It was mid-90s, wasn't it? I think, Matilda? yeah, Matilda. Was that 94 or 96? 
uh, yeah, I had both those numbers in my head. It's midnight, is basically. Uh, so yeah, similar sort of time. Uh, yeah. The whole way through the film was like, I recognise this woman, and I'm not sure what from. Mm. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, one thing I like. But yeah, about... no, no. Honestly, th- thanks for being the the driving force to making me watch this film. Yeah. One question: Did you end up watching it with your partner, or did she not watch it? No. no, she really wants to watch it because she's interested in this sort of. Uh, era and all this sort of stuff but she just wasn't in the right headspace to, to watch a film the like this last night English language film that's about the holocaust that is quite interesting and worth watching is The Pianist by Roman Polanski which again has been on on my list since the start of yeah. our podcast actually we might do yeah. that next year and then you know there's a, there's a lot of a lot that are and so in that similar vein we're going to watch next week a film that has been on Hugh's list right from the start of our podcast in the summer of 2019 uh, and that film is The Master. Halcyon days of now, pre-COVID. <laughs> she, what do you know about The Master? Um, not a lot, really. I think it's meant to be sort of Paul Thomas Anderson. I know that's the director, and I know it's got Joaquin Phoenix, and it's got um, Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. I think Amy Adams might be in it. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I think it's sort of about a guy who ends up joining a cult a bit like Scientology. It's kind of like a, a satire of Scientology and uh, is it L. Ron Hubbard, I think he's called? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. But that, mm-hmm. yeah. beyond that, I've kind of kind of kept away from looking into it more just because I knew we would end up doing it for this eventually. And it's it's a film that I've been really looking forward to rewatching after your sort of lukewarm uh, response to There Will Be Blood. It's not a film I've been looking forward to I don't recommending dislike, to you. I don't dislike There Will Be No, but this is the this I just is don't the have the reverence I, you know, that you have for it. <laughs> it. It's in that same mould. And so when I love a film like this so much, it just worries me. It worries me that you're going to be lukewarm in it. And you're allowed to be, of course, but I'm going to... It's going to <laughs> kill me, me a quietly. little bit. If you, if you, yeah. So yeah. really loudly for, for a long time on the show. We're hoping to have a returning guest. You might have heard his name mentioned a couple of times this episode, but you know we won't, we won't promise anything just in case uh, communications fall apart. But yeah, I saw it at the cinemas eight years ago. I think I've seen. You it didn't once actually mention who was ago. coming on. <laughs> well, I, I didn't want. I don't want to commit. Oh, I don't want to commit. We can you bring in. Commit. We can bring in Ben as a last resort if we need to. Sorry, Ben. You're, not, you're never a last resort, Ben. <laughs> but in this case, you clearly are. But you are in our time zone. <laughs> um, so yeah, look forward Sorry, to that. And I can't wait to see what see this film again. Cool. And to have a guest on who's going to agree with me. <laughs> so you all that remains to be said agree is, with me ah. after, uh, after his review of um, what was it? Parasite. Parasite. Yeah. Team Hugh for now, but we'll see. Team we'll Hugh, see. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realise we had now, teams. <laughs> if our listener wants to tell us about their views on either Schindler's List or The Master, how could they do that? Hugh? Um, so they need to join a cult basically right. um, and hopefully right. these cults need, tend to be well funded so perhaps um, you know they can um, bit of petty cash yeah a bit of petty cash maybe get use the, the facilities there you know they usually have laptops and computers and these sort of things um, yeah yeah. very tasteful that you went for uh, well you know I the master I mean I could there was there was one of two ways I could have done this and, um, yeah and you, cho- yeah. you chose the correct you chose wisely yeah because um, the other one was a if they much, were to get their, much darker <laughs> if, um, if they were to get their hands on one of these expenses paid laptops yeah, they would uh, how would they email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com so if you are in Scientology and you want to tell us what you think of this uh, in this mm. of this film let us let us know 
And um, also, if you use the first line of each of each sentence as your cry for help, that'd be great as well. <laughs> yeah. We are open to all sorts of cryptic Cross. cries for help. Yeah. Um, similarly, if you want to cry for help on social media, on Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, and Facebook, we are at yeah. Please Watch Pod. That just sounds like shouting into the void. <laughs> Which is what social media is for. So Basically, I'll it? shout at you next week. Listener, you, yeah. what are you going to do with them next week? Shout at them or talk or chat? Who can say? Them? We live in, yeah. we we'll live find in mystery, don't we? With these such things. Tops, topsy-turvy land. Yeah. So all that remains to be said is, listener, I love you, Hugh. Yeah. I, I'm fond of you. He's also I present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am present. Anyway, and, uh, yeah, talk to you next week. Take care. Bye! Bye.